0: Welcome, my name is Seppi, rhymes with Pepe, and you're listening to the She Hit Refresh podcast, a podcast for women age 30 and up who want to break free from routine and start a life of travel, specifically women who want to move abroad or travel the world long term. As you'll hear, I sit down with women who have made their refresh dreams come true and discuss how and why they were able to move abroad or hit the road long term. I myself hit refresh when I moved from Texas to Spain in 2015 at the age of 35, and I have not looked back since. I'm now 41 and still living the good life over here, and I help women just like you make a life abroad a reality. We have so many resources for you, including this podcast, our website at SheHitRefresh.com, our annual retreats, my book, I'm Out of Here for Those Who Want to Move to Europe, And our Facebook group. And for the listeners who are new here, this podcast is actually an extension of our Facebook group, which you can join at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash she hit refresh. We have over 8,000 members worldwide there. So come join us and get inspired. All right. Super excited to jump into today's episode. have a question for you. Where are my hopeless romantics out there? (laughs) Well, even if you're not, I know you're going to love this episode with Maria Rivera. Maria is a former New York City advertising copywriter and University of Texas at Austin lecturer and the founder of Haven Abode Properties Group at Team Price Real Estate in Austin, Texas. She now lives in Vitoria, Gasteiz, Spain. So that's in the north, in the Basque Country, with her husband. And she has such a great love story that we get into in detail on this podcast. And she lives there also with her scruffy terrier, Frankie. She writes about creativity, relationships, Spain, guts, and reinvention. She loves inspiring women to live their most creative life. Uh, Now, Maria is not a love coach, but she totally should be. She gives so much incredible information in this podcast and her journey is just incredible. So I know you're going to love this episode. And without further ado, here's Maria. Maria, welcome to the She Hit Refresh podcast. Thank you, Seppi. It's good to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. I've heard a little bit about your journey from Annette, who is the co-founder of She Hit Refresh. You and Annette have a mutual friend in common, and that's how y'all met. And when she told me about your story, I was blown away. So I'm so excited to have you on. But for our listeners out there who aren't familiar with your story, can you tell us just a little bit about where you're from, your age, and what you do?
1: Sure. So I was born in Puerto Rico and my dad was in the military for the first 10 years of my life. So we moved around the United States a little bit, Virginia, Maryland, San Antonio. And then we returned to Puerto Rico. I lived there for two years when I was eight and nine. And then my family moved to a little town called Ozark, Alabama, where I grew up essentially. So middle school, high school, and undergrad were spent in Alabama.
0: Wow. That's a big change from Puerto Rico, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah.
1: A little bit of culture shock.
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk about what you do right now, and then we can kind of unfold the story from there.
1: Sure. And to answer your last question, I'm 48. I now run my Austin, Texas-based real estate business from here in Spain. I'm in DiGioriaga, States, the north of Spain. So I handle the marketing side of the business and I have an amazing business partner on the ground in Austin meeting with clients face to face. So I've maintained a relationship with my clients and we still communicate as if I were there. So they have access to both of us. Very cool.
0: I love that. Great. And we're going to
1: get into your Spain
0: story because I know that's pretty recent in your life, but I love that you're able to leave Austin and still work and, and take your job online and kind of have the best of both worlds. So that's really cool. Let's talk about that though. Let's talk about your life before you moved to Spain a bit about, you know, what your life was like, what you were doing. You can tell us a little bit more of, you know, maybe your business and how you thought about moving to Spain ever?
1: So yeah, going back to the business before I get to the other, what I was doing in Austin, at some point I had met a realtor, a fellow realtor in Austin who was British and he was working in my neighborhood and he had to, after several years living in Austin, he had to go back to England where he was from because his mother was sick. So he had to go take care of her. And I remember that he had his website set up so that it, you know, he was attracting leads and he was living in England, but able to do this same thing that I'm doing now. And so Spain wasn't even a thought at the time, but thinking what a great business model. And so I want to encourage people if to ask themselves, is there a possibility to use your imagination to create a different sort of business model for maybe the job or the work that you already have? Is there a way to do that? So it's been really, really rewarding to have taken that and still be able to talk to the people that I always talked to while I was there my coworkers my friends and also my clients so before I moved to spain i was living in austin as we mentioned for about 22 years life was great i met some of my best friends in my 30s and 40s there i was engaged in the community i was doing work i loved And I was yearning to meet the person who I felt I was supposed to share my life with. I just had this feeling that I was going to be meeting this person. I had worked in advertising as a copywriter in New York. I moved back to Austin where I'd gone to grad school. I freelanced in Austin. And then I started teaching at UT. This was around 2005 to 2013. So I taught for eight years in the Department of Advertising before getting into real estate. And to answer your question, yeah, I had thought about moving to Spain before. I had traveled to Spain twice. I took two solo trips. The first one was when I was 36 and the other maybe a year or two later. But I had never really committed to that idea. It was just a passing thought.
0: Hmm. Well, I want to get into then what prompted your move. And I know a little bit about this, but I'm, I can't wait to hear it from, from you.
1: So I was the person who at 18 had said, I'm never getting married. I was living my life at a certain point after grad school, I moved to New York. I was really happy doing my thing. I had dated some great people, but I wasn't ready in my in my 20s by any means. And then when I was ready, I was meeting great people, but people who didn't have share the same vision for a relationship in terms of a long-term relationship. So what prompted my move is the fact that I met my now husband, who is from here. I was in Austin. He was living here. We met through eHarmony. In Spain, it's called eDarling. One day, February 7th, actually February 7th, about four years ago, his profile popped into my inbox and we started emailing from there. So we've been communicating every day for about four years.
0: Wow. And like, I didn't even know, I guess I had heard that you can match with people internationally, but I never really understood how that works. I mean, there's so many people out there, so many people online. How do you match internationally?
1: I had done online dating before, but I had never spoken to anybody in another country. And I don't think I thought it was possible either. I had never really considered it. One day on eHarmony, I realized, oh, there is an option to do that and you can select the countries in which you'd be interested to meet someone. And speaking fluent Spanish, having been so interested in Spain before, just on a whim, I thought, I'll just check that. You can change those parameters at any point. And so a week later, that's that's where I met Ivan. And eHarmony is the kind of dating platform in which you're not searching for profiles based on the algorithm that you had set up previously the system matches you. We we were matched.
0: Wow. And so you were chatting virtually for a while and then you had to finally meet in person at some point. And I guess it was successful because now you're married. But what was that like, I guess, dating someone internationally?
1: Yeah. So what I realized, Seppi, is that it's all determined by intention because you can be in Austin Dating somebody who might live a mile away from you. But if the intention isn't there, then the relationship doesn't go anywhere. So distance isn't really a factor if there are two people who are intentional about it. So starting from the point at which we saw each other's profiles and what I could tell about this person is that without even having spoken to him was that he was sincere. He had completely filled out the profile. I got a good sense for who he was. Of course, it's nothing like getting on the phone and talking to somebody. So we emailed for a week after that. And then I wanted to determine that degree of intention. Was he looking for something? Because there's a 5,000 mile distance between us. And I wanted to be practical about that distance and gauge what he was looking for, what his intentions were. And so we got on Skype about a week later, and from there we started talking on WhatsApp, doing video calls. And we did that for about three months. And after those three months, I had a really good sense for who he was. And we had exchanged photos of our families. We had talked about everything, our hopes, our hurts, our successes, our histories. And We decided after three months, well, we had decided earlier that we were going to meet for the first time in person and spend about nine days in Savannah, Georgia. Wow. Yeah. So we chose Savannah because it was somewhat in between Austin and and Spain where he was living. We, neither one of us had ever been there. It's a small, walkable, charming city, quiet. We were going to have time to just relax and stroll and have a good time and not feel the pressure to be tourists or tour guides, I mean, in each other's towns. And so we met at the Atlanta airport three months after we were connected on the online dating site.
0: Oh, wow. And he had he been to the U.S. before? I'm assuming he probably had.
1: He had, at age 15, come to the U.S. to study at a tennis academy, and then he had gone to university here. So he had actually spent a good amount of time in the U.S. between age 15 and around 22 before he went back to Spain.
0: Got it. So that's probably why he was also selecting the United States as one of the countries to to maybe match with someone So what was that like meeting for the first time? And then you can give us the highlights after that, after you met, how did you get from there to to moving to Spain?
1: Sure. So it was amazing being on that plane and also nerve wracking, not nerve wracking because I didn't have a sense for who this person was because I truly knew him at that point, but just for all the obvious reasons. But once we met in person and he's so kind and consistent and sincere and the person that i was meeting in person was the exact same person that i'd been talking to for hours we had been really creative in this long distance relationship in terms of talking all the time setting creative dates watching movies together i had spoken to his family he had spoken to my family and so i felt really comfortable in that regard but for all the obvious reasons The nerves were still there when we saw each other in person, but there was no coyness. There was nothing other than just sincerity from him. It felt amazing. So to hug for the first time after all that time. And so from there, yeah, we went to Savannah and had a a really great, great time. And more than anything, I just felt such peace of mind with him. From there, things sort of evolved to the point where we were able to about every three or four months or so, um, see each other. So the next trip, um, he just happened to have a high school reunion after that in Florida at that academy that he had gone to. And so we saw each other uh, the next time there. There was always talk about, okay, do we share the same vision for where this is going? And um, that always felt really reassuring.
0: Yeah, that's great. It felt reassuring because you had the same vision or just that you were talking about it.
1: It felt reassuring that he was so communicative and he always had been. I mean, that's one of the things that I fell in love with, just the fact that we had the same values. We had the same spiritual connection. He has this positive energy about him. So it almost felt like our worldviews were very similar. Yeah. And how old were you again when you met him and how old was he? Yeah, I was 44 and he is about five and a half years younger.
0: Love it, love it. I think it's never too late, obviously, to to find you know your love. But I know women can feel the pressure, especially you know when you're approaching thirty. And now looking back, that feels so young. But when you're approaching thirty, like <laughs> oh my god, I'm I'm still not married. And then when you're approaching forty, women can kind of have a panic or feel like it's not going to happen. That ship has sailed, and that's definitely not the case. So I'm so happy that you're sharing this story with us. And so how and when did you go to Spain, or how did you guys decide that it was going to be Spain? and and not the United States or somewhere else.
1: Sure. He has a family business that he's a part of, along with a a tennis academy here. And so I think I knew early on that I would be moving to Spain. First of all, I I had always somehow in the back of my head, idealized that. And yeah, knowing that the family business was here, I I, I was willing to, to make that move. I love that. And so you moved there, did you say last year or no, before that? Yes. So what happened is in August of 2019, we got married. We married here in Spain. Six months later, now we know the pandemic would be coming. But after we got married, I was going back to Austin because I still needed to get rid of all my stuff and figure out what I would be taking and, and sort everything through. And so I had a ticket to see him the next time, March 13th of 2020. And we know what happened. So it would it would be eight months before we'd see each other again after we got married because of COVID. We were so used to the long distance relationship rhythm of things at that point that, of course, I wanted to be with him. But it was fine. It gave me time to do what I needed to do. And we stayed consistent in the way that we were communicating and being creative about our dates. So. I was able to um, to come in October, November. And then officially I moved here March of last year. So March of 2021, I brought eight suitcases and my dog and I was here.
0: Love that. Oh my gosh, you're coming upon your one year anniversary of living yes. in Spain. Yes. How cool is that? Well, I have so many more questions, but I want to get your input and your advice, just going back to that of maybe, you know, anyone who's listening who maybe feels like, you know, that ship has sailed for them. Like I said, if you're a woman out there who maybe feels like, you know, you haven't met your match yet, you're open for love, but you're concerned that the years are passing and that it feels like there's slimmer pickings as you get older. (laughs) What What advice do you have for women out there?
1: I have a lot of advice, Seppi. I actually love talking about this because I want to reassure people. There's so many things, but I'll start by saying this. First, I would say visualize that person already being in your life. Make room for them physically. Make room for them in your closet. Make room for them on the nightstand that's on the other side of yours. And I'd also say, do not delay in moving on when you know, because you know, when something isn't right with the relationship in which you're in. So have the courage to tell the truth and end relationships that need to end. You are not sparing anyone's feelings by not telling the truth. You are only keeping them from meeting the person they need to meet. I remember reading this line in a poem by Ariah Mountain Dreamer. It's called The Invitation. And the line is, I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. I think that's so important. And I think that comes first. Then another piece of advice, if you're serious about a long-term relationship, make sure that you are available and make sure that you are allowing and date with intention. We might not have thought about these things in our 20s. You might not have wanted that. And you might not want it now, but if you are somebody who at this point does want that, ask yourself. Is there compatibility? Is there chemistry? And is there intention in this relationship? So I sort of came up with this CCI theorem after I had dated a little while because I realized all those components had to be there chemistry, compatibility, and intention. I would sometimes meet someone with whom I had chemistry and compatibility, but not intention, and that wasn't going to work, or a different two out of those three. So they all have to be there. And the last thing I will say about that, something that helped me a lot when I was working with my friend, Sylvia Solis, who is a life coach, be aware of any limiting beliefs. And Seppi, I would have thought, oh, I have no limiting beliefs. I've done so much work. I didn't think I had any, but she gave me an assignment. I'll share it with you. For instance, if the thought is time has already passed me by, which you brought up, Change that statement. This is an exercise. Change that statement to something that feels good and credible to you, such as, this is the best time of my life to find my guy and be in a relationship. Write this down and then give three supporting statements as evidence of that. So with that example, the statements might be, I know myself and what I want and guys are more mature at this age. Or I'm more assertive than I've ever been, not shy about showing interest, or I'm less judgmental than I've ever been. And guys can sense that acceptance from me. Let those positive subconscious thoughts replace the others. It is so powerful because if somebody has the mindset that it passed me by, all the good ones are taken, there needs to be a shift in that first. And there needs to be the belief that, This is possible. And it is. We see people meeting the loves of their lives at every age, like you said earlier.
0: Definitely. Oh my gosh, I love all of your advice. And just thinking of your story, like you were being intentional from the get-go of just being on these dating sites. I know um, when I talk to uh, some of my single friends are like, I don't even want to deal with the apps, with the this, with the that. And that's fine. There's are definitely other ways that you can meet people, but you also have to ask yourself, like, what am I doing? Where am I going to meet people? When... When I lived in Madrid, there was a period when I just wanted to build my world and I didn't want a partner. And then there was a point where I felt like, I think I'm ready in life. It was about 38, 39. So just a few years ago where I thought, you know what? I think I'm ready to meet someone and to give that space to someone. But you know what? They're not going to just fall into my lap. I'm probably not going to just run into them on the street walking my dog. Like I have to be <laughs> intentional about... Going to places, you know, at the time I was just hanging out with my girlfriends and going to events where just women, like I'm never gonna meet a man in one of these places. So, how what can I do? And how can I change maybe some of the actions that I'm taking so that I can, you know, already foster the possibility of meeting someone? So just being intentional from the start, I think is so key. And one other one thing that you said I think is so important is to leave relationships. That aren't working because if you stay with them for whatever reasons, you're just, you know, taking up space for the right person to come along. You're not going to be available when that right person comes along because you're occupied with the wrong relationship. So I think that um, is completely,
1: completely sepi. And I'll say a couple of other things. I'm a big journaler and my journal entries started deliberately focusing on the positive, not on what wasn't working. I wrote as if he was already here. So I would tell people, stay hopeful. And the last thing I want to say about this is don't kid yourself about someone's availability. Don't settle for crumbs. And if you have to ask yourself, is this this person giving me crumbs? Here she probably is. And if they're not available, that's okay. Moving on. They're just at a different stage. It's not about you. Just move on.
0: Oh my gosh. I hope people are taking notes. Are you a love coach, Maria? Because if
1: not, you need to be. I want to (laughs) be.
0: Well, you should be. You're giving a very, very great advice. So, yes. And just talking about intentional, I had mentioned this on a podcast that I did a little while ago with Annette that I'm in a relationship. So it's been about a year, a little over a year with someone that I met here in Spain with a Spaniard. And that came about from also being intentional. Again, going back to the apps, going on the apps, going on the dates, you know, you got to kiss a lot of frogs to to meet your (laughs) prince. So not getting frustrated by meeting people who weren't awful. They just weren't the right match. And that can be frustrating of like, I keep trying, but not finding anybody that's the right match. Just keep trying and, you know, and in time. Put in the work.
1: <laughs> that is great, Sephi. I'm so glad. And I, you just reminded me of something else. You know, there's some people, I have a lot of friends also, who don't want to be on dating websites. And I totally get that. And I would say, don't force that. Do not force anything you would not want to do and anything that doesn't come naturally. I'm thinking about a friend of mine who that was just not something she was interested in doing. And she, about, I don't know, seven years ago or so, wrote a letter to her friends who were matched up, her couple friends, who had some of the best relationships that of anyone she knew, or at least she she admired their relationship. She liked them as a couple. And she wrote to them and said, you know, this is my situation. I'm at a point in my life where I'm ready to meet somebody. And I really admire the relationship that you've created. And do you know anybody? Does anybody come to mind that you would be interested in introducing me to? Lo and behold, she was living in Austin. One of these couple friends lived in Ohio and they said, actually, there's this great guy and they're now married. And so I bring that up to say, if it feels like work to you, whatever, because like you said, there's so many ways in which you can meet, then don't force the one you don't. Find the way that feels the most natural to you and go with that.
0: Definitely. Oh, I love that. Yes. Put it out there. I also did that too. When I was starting to, when I was ready to meet someone, I told my friends in Madrid that if they had anyone in mind, you know, to let me know. Um, But then that was an avenue that didn't work for me because every time they're like, oh, I have someone. I'm like, I can't do (laughs) the blind dates from the friends. I just can't do it. So I didn't end up taking any of their offers to to meet with friends, but whatever works for you, let people know, let the universe know, you know, be open, have that open energy. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your incredible love story and giving us some really sage advice for, for finding someone. I would like to go, Back to your move to Spain and hear about, you know, what was it like to totally uproot your life? Because you changed your life, and I'm doing air quotes later in life. What was that like?
1: Sure. So I was going back to that wedding that I got married in August of 29. I was 46. My first marriage at 46, and so you're right. I guess later in life, but because I feel so young. It feels so right to have done it at this age because I knew myself. I always say being an immigrant is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) But when you have so much life experience to back you up, that helps enormously. I had felt like my time in Austin was coming to a close. I was ready for a change. I was ready for new input. Again, I feel really young. I never understand why people call themselves old. I wrote this the other day, let your way and your word be in integrity with what you want in your life, meaning be aware of the language that you use. It sounds like I'm getting off track here, but I think it's really important because if somebody out there is thinking about moving abroad or being able to live abroad, then be very intentional with the words that you use and the language that you use when when you're thinking about that. Yeah, I I feel like it was the perfect time.
0: That is great. Yeah. I mean, all your life experience, I guess, was setting you up to have a pretty smooth transition at 46. So that's great. Or 40, wait, you were 40 old when you moved, or how, what was your age? I'm trying to remove that word old too.
1: What was your age (laughs) when you moved? (laughs) So I was, it was last year. So I was, I just turned 48. Yeah.
0: Got it. You, You got married at 46. Is that what it was? Got
1: married at 46. Yep.
0: Lovely. And so, what did your friends and family think about, you know, totally
1: changing your life and moving to another country? They thought it was great. They were so happy to see me happy. I think it inspired some of them too. It's contagious to step out of the norm and it emboldens others who've been considering the same. And my mom moved here six months ago. I want to add, what? Yes. She was in San Antonio and my. Brother passed away. My only sibling passed away uh, in 2009. And uh, my mom didn't have family in Texas. And so she moved six months ago. And now she, my mother-in-law... And my husband and I live on the same street. It's like the mafia.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my God. That's crazy. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about your brother and that, you know, I'm sure your mom is just, you know, so happy to be close to you. Was she excited about the move? I guess she was because she did it, but kind of when did that conversation come up of her moving to Spain?
1: Well, I'm sure around the time when we started getting married and talking about this, she was already considering it. I can't speak for her, but I'm so proud of her. She's 73 years old, so she she made this move and like I said earlier, it's not for the faint of heart. And you know, Seppi, I mean, anybody who's moved, I want to make any of this sound like, oh, everything's perfect. It's smooth sailing every day. There, there are a lot of things, there's a lot of moving parts to this. And I'll talk about that a little later, but it's a great thing. And the challenges, you overcome them and then you feel so proud of having learned, learned so much. Because if you think about, okay, in five years in Austin, where would I have been? I'm sure I would still be having great experiences, but the learning curve is so much greater when you move abroad. And of course, that comes with challenges, but also with a lot of pride in having done it.
0: Yes, well, well done. Congrats to you and your mom. That is incredible. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? What's your experience in Spain has been like? Feel free to share any of the challenges that stick out, um, some of your favorite things about living in Spain. And also tell us about the Basque country where you live. You know, on this podcast, I've interviewed a lot of women in Spain, but they've been mostly located in Madrid or here in the south of Spain. So you're in a region that we haven't highlighted yet. So I'd love to hear about the Basque country.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes. I was a little nervous at first. The weather can be rainy, gray, cold. We are an hour from the Northern coast and an hour and 20 minutes from the Southwestern French border. What i found is the cold hasn't actually bothered me. I dress for it and voila, it's refreshing. I walk everywhere. Vitoria is a really convenient city to walk and bike in. I think it's one of the best kept secrets in Spain. I live two blocks from about everything I need, from the movie theater, from the grocery store, two blocks from my bank, the gym, the concert hall, the medieval historic district. It's a very elegant city. The population is about 250,000 people, and it's the capital of the Basque country. And the Basque country is just one of 19 autonomous communities in Spain. So I jokingly and not jokingly say that I live in the part of Spain that does not want to be Spain. You do not see the Spanish flag hanging everywhere like you would in San Madrid and so many other parts of Spain. Actually, I don't see it at all. It would be considered a provocation here to have the Spanish flag hanging. I'll I'll tell you a little story. We had a, a good friend who won in a raffle somewhere else. I think they were in Mallorca a sweatsuit. And it's a sweatsuit that has a Spanish flag on it, but he would never wear it here because it's a a provocation. And it goes back to, for a little over 40 years, the Basque terrorist group ETA, ETA. It's an acronym that in English would be roughly translated to Basque Homeland and Liberty. It imposed violence in support of a Basque independent state They killed over 800 people. It's a complicated history. So the newspaper headline in the fall of 2011 that I happened to see was ETA announces an end to the violence. And when you think about it, Sepi, that was not long ago at all. But the Basque country is, and the culture is really rich. And it's got its own folklore and mythology and language. It's called Euskera. So here you will hear Spanish but you will also hear uh, Euskera and that culture goes back 5000 years. They're a very proud people, the food is unbelievable. They have many gastronomic societies. A uh, gastronomic society is sort of this private membership into a place that has kitchens, sort of industrial kitchens where mostly men cook the meals in the kitchen. Anyone can come and eat, but it's mostly men in the kitchen actually cooking. The Basque language predates the Romance languages, so it sounds like nothing you've heard of. Sometimes it sounds like Japanese, a little Russian. It's very interesting. The children here are taught in Spanish and Basque at school, and the Basque country extends into southwestern France. So I'm in a city that's pretty unique in Spain and the world, really. It's not the Spain that tourists typically think of, but it's really rich. In 2008, it was awarded European Green Capital. People bike everywhere. There are so many green spaces. And so I've really learned to love it.
0: That is amazing. Yes, it is a beautiful, beautiful region. I haven't been to where you live. I've only been to uh, San Sebastian. And why am I forgetting the, the other city name?
1: Oh uh, yeah, maybe uh, Santandero Bilbao.
0: Uh, Bilbao, I couldn't, it okay. wasn't coming to me. Yes, Bilbao. Yeah. So I'm going to have to make a, a trip up there and come yes. check out more of the Basque Country and come see you.
1: Come visit me, yes. So the cloudy days helped me write. I've made friends with the cloudy days. And I love walking and hiking in the cooler weather. The mountains are so close by and I am in awe of the mountains. So when you come, we'll we'll go on a hike together.
0: Definitely. Yes. Love it. Well, thank you so much for letting us know about the Basque Country. For anyone who has been to Spain or hasn't been to Spain, put the Basque Country on the top of your to-do list. And people definitely go there for the food. It's really known, world-renowned, a lot of Michelin star restaurants and just great food in general.
1: Yes. If you like to eat, this is the place to visit. (laughs) love it. (laughs) Well, I want to talk a bit
0: about being Latina. You were born in Puerto Rico, but I know you spent a lot of time or you moved to Alabama and spent a lot of your life growing up there. And now you live in Spain. And, you know, I haven't had a lot of Latin representation on this podcast. I think Annette and I, and then we had uh, one other guest who also is from Puerto Rico. So I'd just uh, love to hear a little bit about just your Latin identity and um, experiencing that both, you know, coming from puerto rico living uh in alabama and uh, now living in spain
1: yeah my parents always spoke spanish to us growing up and we traveled yearly to puerto rico but my day-to-day life in alabama was on an all-american one actually my husband when he saw my high school yearbook for the first time said it looks like your high school was the movie greece and it pretty much was It wasn't until I moved to Austin, which was more diverse, that I started to recognize and really appreciate the gift that I was born into having this bicultural experience. And being an Athena in Spain, I think I'm only beginning to understand what that means here. So we'll see. I can tell you it's been really nice to have the advantage of being able to speak Spanish, even though it's still the language still presented challenges to me because there's so much vocabulary and so many expressions that were different. But but we'll see. We'll see the extent of what, what it means to be Latina here in, in the months and years as I live here longer.
0: Yes. And has your mom, has she shared any of her experience here of, of being
1: in Spain? Yes. She took to it like, like a fish takes to water, a little more so than I, because she came to the U.S. from Puerto Rico at age 24 And so I think that she it brings up a lot of memories for her of the Puerto Rico of the 50s and 60s. Sometimes we'll be walking along a block and she'll say, wow, this reminds me of Rio Piedras or Bayamon in Puerto Rico when she was a little girl. So that's been really, really interesting and cool to see her enjoying it.
0: Yeah, that is really cool. So you had let us know what you're doing for work. I mean, you basically brought your work over since you can do that virtually. But what does a typical day look like for you?
1: Yeah, so I continue to run my Austin-based real estate business from here. A typical day, because of the seven-hour time difference, I'm usually talking to clients or my business partner in the afternoon, four o'clock here is I think around nine o'clock in the morning there. So in the morning, I'm usually either doing paperwork or right at this moment, I'm in driving school because they wouldn't recognize my U.S. driver's license. So I am going to driving school in the morning and then um, helping my mom move into her new place on my street. I'm keeping my writing projects going. I find that the days go by really quickly.
0: True, they do when you're juggling multiple things. So... They definitely do. Um, I would love to get your insights. Since you've done it yourself, what advice do you have for women who want to move abroad, but just might be scared to do so?
1: Yes. There are so many moving parts, like I said before, to an international move, and it's all doable, but it can be a little overwhelming if you don't take it one step at a time. Actually, your Facebook group helped me a lot. It was a great resource for some questions that I had. And I felt like... There was always somebody who answered those right away. I would say visualize yourself from five years from now for somebody that might be on the fence or thinking about it, but where do they start? I would say, would you rather have had the experience of moving abroad, of seeing so many new sites, of stretching yourself? And I heard this question asked about four days ago in, um, in a session that I was in. They said, are you interested are you committed? I think it's a great way to sort of flip the switch in your brain. And when you're ready to commit, it might not be right now, it might not be next year, it might not be for three more years, but remember to take bite-sized chunks, bite-sized decisions, and those will get you there. Just little by little, break it down. There's a quote by Georgia O'Keefe that I love, and she says, I've been absolutely terrified every moment of my life, and I've never let it keep me doing from doing a single thing I wanted to do. And that quote makes me braver. And it reminds me that the people we might tend to put on pedestals are also scared. Everyone is scared. <laughs> I think we forget that. I would also say if somebody is already making that decision to move, give yourself two years to settle in. It takes about a year just to get, figure out, okay, the phone and the bank account and the all the day-to-day things. And then to start figuring out the grocery store, the little cart that you have to take to the grocery store, because in my case, I don't have a car here. So what are all the things? Where are the things in the grocery store? Get familiar with the products. All those things take time until you feel comfortable. So give yourself time once you are in a place.
0: Definitely. That's great advice there. And yes, it does take time. Once you hit refresh, you know, that's not going to be the solution to any changes that you were looking for in life because you kind of, you continue to hit refresh once you do it. You're You're
1: so right.
0: Yeah, you're you're starting from scratch in a totally new environment, new culture, new country. And it takes time not only to get grounded and kind of figure out your life in a new country, but also if you want to make friends. I mean, for me, I didn't find my people until two and a half years of being in Madrid. I, I met a lot of acquaintances and amazing people, but I really didn't even find my community. So that took time as well. And I'm in Malaga and starting over too. I've been here a year and I still haven't found my community. So everything, you're right, does take time.
1: You're so right. Building that community takes time. So apart from all the things you have to do on your to-do list, the things I just mentioned, yes, then it's building community. And I would say to that, get involved in your interests. So I started taking tennis lessons here and I met people through tennis. And even if it's not something I started knitting, but at that time, then I had to sort of focus on other things because things got busy in other areas. Even if it's not something that you stick with the entire first year you're here, at least it starts to expose you to the culture and to meeting people you might not have met otherwise.
0: I agree. I agree.
1: All right. We
0: are getting to the end here of the podcast, but I do want to ask how hitting refresh has changed you and what you've learned about yourself along this journey.
1: Yeah. I've learned that I can trust myself. I can rely on myself. That's one of the best parts of being this age. You've come through enough life experiences that you know, you always have yourself. And when you make the leap, whatever that leap is, celebrate your successes, let it become a reference point for courage because that's just going to snowball.
0: Love it. Maria, you need to get into the coaching business. Um, Sign me up. Take my money.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Seppi. I, I can't wait to meet you in person.
0: Yes, we will. We are on the same continent. You're in the North, I'm in the South, but we will definitely have our paths crossed at some point. So we will. yeah, we definitely will. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing all of this incredible advice with us and sharing your unbelievable story with us as well.
1: Thank you, Seppi. Good luck with everything.
0: Thank you. All right, what did you think? Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you took the time to rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does help to get the word out there about She Hit Refresh and help all those refreshers out there find us. And if you're looking to move to Europe, don't forget to pick up my digital book, I'm Out of Here, an American's Ultimate Visa Guide to Living in Europe. And you can find that on our site at shehitrefresh.com. You'll see it there on the homepage. And last, if you're a woman who's 30 years and older and looking to hit refresh, please join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash she hit refresh.